0: I want to share share with us today about letting go of what's in the jar. And I think we've got a, um, did we have that other slide, Kirsten? The one of the monkey? Let's bring that one up. And uh, I know it's a little bit abstract, but almost it feels sometimes like when you want something in God, you've kind of got to let go of what's in your hand. And, um, you know, the monkey here obviously is trying to get a banana, but he doesn't realise that actually he's surrounded by every good thing he could ever want. And our lives can be a bit like that. We need to, in order to make room for God in our hearts, we need to let go sometimes of what's in front of us. And I feel like this is the heart behind revival. God wants to revive our hearts. He wants us to come into a good place, you know, you think that he's made all of creation. He's made you with the desires that you have. He's made you with the capacities to uh, love and to um, explore life and to full of curiosity and wonder. He's made all of that. And the creator of all of that wants to bless you. He wants to come into relationship with you. He wants to give you every good thing through the highs and the lows of life. And so often when we gather around ourselves, the the things that we think are gonna make us happy, the things that we think are gonna bring us life, God comes in in the midst of that and says, actually, I've got a different plan. I wanna revive you, I wanna restore you, I want to speak into your soul because I've made you and I've created you and I know what you really need. And so we go through periods and it's not wrong to have things, it's not wrong to experience life, but where we take those things and we build a little castle for ourselves and we trust in them, the things that God's made instead of the one who made them, that's when our hearts can become uh, dry, a bit of a, a barren place. And he says, I want to come in and revive. I want to restore, I want to reprioritize the things that are in your life so that you can really live. Mm -hmm. And we need to listen. And and I love what Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, about the priorities of what he calls the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God in our lives. And so I woke up this morning actually with the, the lyrics of a song on my heart. And often when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'll get a song. Um, Tend to be that little bit kind of creative. So God wants to catch me left field. He'll speak to me often through the lyrics of a song. And and it's about revival. And it was um, Hillsong's um, uh, New Wine. And I'll just read us a few of the lyrics. And it says, In the crushing, in the pressing, You are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. That picture of the seed, you know, going into the soil. It has to die to itself, but it gives birth to a a whole harvest in that one seed. But it's in the surrender. Um, You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand goes on to say, because where there is new wine, there is new power. This is the power behind revival. There is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames, so the things that maybe we've prioritised, to carry your new fire today. See, we sing these songs, we have beautiful worship, and often these words are and they, they should be, rightly so, based on the dynamics and the Word of God, the things that God wants to sow into your heart and into my heart. And if we just come in and sing songs, but don't expect a change, for God to make a change or to challenge us or to bring us into the freedom that he has for us, then we're kind of caught in that dry place, I think, where he want, he's calling us out into the new thing. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Oh, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. It means we're getting back on the altar. And so surrendering ourselves, laying our lives down. And I wonder, has there been a time in your life where you've had to lay everything down to prioritise God in your life, to prioritise the one who's made everything. You know, revival, we love the idea of it. We love the idea that God comes in and sows a passion in us and stirs us, but actually it comes with a bit of a cost I think. You've got to let go of the thing that you're holding on to because your, your arm is sometimes stuck in the jar. You know, Israel's story was one of revival, when Jesus came. You know, the closing passages actually of Malachi chapter one, verse two, the last words the Lord spoke to his people were, I have loved you. Isn't that just incredible? Malachi one, two, I have loved you. Then there's 400 years of silence. They're in a wasteland. They're in a desert. The ground is cracked and sometimes our lives can be like that. We feel like, God, where are you? Where are you like you used to be? Where are you? Like maybe in days gone by. And I imagine Israel, even though history went on chronologically in terms of the present and the moments of God, they were silent now for 400 years. The temple went on. You know, the the priests continued to make their sacrifices, but they'd become empty. So by the time Jesus comes, he's speaking now a word. And it starts with John the Baptist, and he says, the kingdom is here. There's a time coming, and it is here now, a time of revival. And so Jesus came, and not everyone recognised Jesus as being who he said he, he was, but for those who had ears to hear, he bought a revival and a, and a flowing of the spirit. He says out of our inner man, out of our inner woman would come rivers of living water. So biblically speaking, Jesus represents, he is the exclamation mark on Israel's journey. Every promise that God had made to his people was fulfilled in the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then this light goes out to the world and what started became a spreading flame. It went out through the nations and here we are today. But even as this message has come to us, we, our own hearts, you and I need revival. You and I need to reprioritise what God has done in us in seasons gone by. I don't think we should necessarily look at dry times necessarily as a bad thing. I think it's part of the human experience actually, that we come into seasons of rest, we come into seasons of want, but God is the one, he is the good shepherd that brings us through every season. Here in the Illawarra, I'm not sure if you're aware, but revival has actually hit the Illawarra at different points. I want to read to us, um, Professor Stuart Piggin writes this, in February and March of 1902, an evangelistic tent mission travelled through the Illawarra from Nowra to Helensburg. When it reached the mining villages, one of the most amazing revivals in Australian Christian history occurred. 131 conversions were recorded at Mount Kembla, 214 at Mount Kira, 183 at Balgauni, 318 at Coromel, 292 at Bulai, and 234 at Helensburg. This total of 1372 in about six weeks was around 15% of the whole Illawarra population. Most of the new Christians were men, mainly coal miners. So if you work in the mines, or you have, you're part of a, there's a legacy that's gone on in that, in that demographic of people and that I know is still here in the Illawarra today. And there have been different points where even the charismatic renewal of the 1960s and 70s and 80s that swept through mainline churches that many of you would have experienced. This is the type of thing that God does. We come, there's peaks and there's troughs. And I believe we need to prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in the season to come. You know, I just want to give us a quick definition of revival, if that's okay. And it's going to come up actually on the, on the screen. So if we could bring that up, um, if we've got that. No, okay, I'm going to read it to us. Revival refers to a spiritual awakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. It encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God, an appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility, and a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. Revival breaks the charm and power of the world, which which blinds the eyes of men. And generates both the will and the power to live in the world but not be of the world. So it's a bit of a definition there. But, you know, I know what David prays in Psalm 51. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. This is the spirit behind revival. You know, it says in James that pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for orphans and widows and those in distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And I, know if, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in situations, I'll often be driving Uber, and I'll get seven people in my car. And um, great people, God loves them. But sometimes what's pouring out of their mouth at that time and what they're talking about and the propositions I get and all kinds of weird stuff, it's very, very weird. Um, you kind of come out and you almost feel like you need a shower. It's kind of, you know, it's just the world. Now, God loves them, absolutely, and I share the gospel with so many. But sometimes you just come out thinking, oh, man, I just feel like I need a spiritual shower right now. And so we can have times where we're dry, times where we feel like we're in a desert, but that is the perfect time to come to God and to say, Lord, revive my soul lord rain on me i was praying with lexi in fact i think it was raylene and myself and kay douglas who was ministering recently and we were at the encounter service over at the albion park community hall and we had a picture i had a picture in a vision as i was praying for lexi if we could bring that up and i saw this image and i actually created that on an ai app so artificial intelligence app and um saw this picture of a woman dressed in white with her arms outstretched praying on, a, on barren soil. And what it was, it was a picture of Lexi in a position of intercession and prayer. And, you know, you know the, the, the story of Elijah in the Old Testament and he's with the king and, you know, there, there'd been no rain and All of a sudden the rain clouds begin to come in and in James it makes reference to this and he prays seven times and it was kind of this image that I had in prayer and so you know the ground of our lives sometimes needs soaking so that new things can grow up and I just uh, want to encourage us this year I believe has been a year of revival for many of you personally God has been doing a work You're not necessarily in this place, but we're acknowledging that God is bringing you and has brought you into a position where there's new growth. And I really wanna encourage you that this isn't the state of the church, but I think Lexi and there's been others who have been interceding, has been able to usher in a new season of uh, personal revival. Um, When I think of this image, I was drawn to Isaiah 43, 19 to 21. And uh, it says this, for I'm about to do something new. And this is the point of revival. It represents something new in our lives. It's a new work of God. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland, so my chosen people can be refreshed. Now, isn't this the heart of God? That we would be in a position where we can be personally refreshed. Where are our hearts at today? from week to week from day to day my my emotions can fluctuate but my spirit doesn't necessarily reference my emotions my spirit can be refreshed even though emotionally i might be even in a difficult state so learning to discern the nuances between your spirit and your soul is actually a good sign of maturity but god can come in and refresh you, body, soul, and spirit. And so God's priority for us in this season, I believe, is revival. In fact, this whole year, we had Eric Harrison. Many of you remember he came down at the beginning of the year and he's been down a few times now. And we had this incredible um, incident where Pastor Eric was sharing. He's from C3 Corumban. He was sharing about how he came to faith in New Zealand outside a Good News bookstore. Some of us might remember the Good News Bible and the bookstores and things like that. Um, I was very young at the time. Yes, I'm still that little bit younger than some of you, but uh, I do remember it. And um, anyway, outside the Good News bookstore, and he said this man came out. His name was Graham. Graham and shared the gospel with him shared the good news about jesus and um, eric came to faith incredibly powerful we were here in this hall in an encounter service and he's sharing this story as he's sharing that graham walks through the back door this man who led him to faith some 50 years earlier it was their 50th wedding anniversary the next day and it had been 50 years to the day that this man had led Eric to faith. And then he walks through the back door as he's sharing the story. Absolutely incredible. And so we're kind of going, wow, God, like, you know, that's not just coincidence. And so there was this, there'd been a, I believe a healing on that day. There'd been an incredible sense of joy that had flowed out of that ministry. I began to prophesy over Graham, not knowing who he was at the time. This is before his identity came out. I had a word in season for him. Anyway, Graham, after everything had happened, he'd been in a very difficult place. The word that we'd given him that day encouraged him. In fact, it was like a bookend on his life because the middle part of his life had been somewhat like a wasteland. It had been dry, it had been cracked. He said, God, where are you? Kind of knew God was there, but it was, it was difficult at times. He encountered the Lord on that day, experienced a, a personal revival, went home and then within two weeks passed and went to be with the Lord. So God was very gracious to him, encouraged him, incredible outworking. It was for Eric, it was for Graham, it was for all of us. An incredible testimony of how God even looks at the small details of our life. You might feel like your life doesn't always make sense in the midst of the the wasteland, but God has made sense of it. Gordon spoke this morning about heaven. We're encouraged, actually, in 2 Corinthians 5 to consider future things, to look, to look up and to look forward in hope. God brings joy. He'll bring the latter rains. He'll bring the things that you need in your life now. He will bring you through the desert. But there's our overall journey is one that is marked by eternity where God is preparing your life, he's preparing my life us as a community to be a pure bride and he's outworking things in us that we shouldn't forsake because otherwise it says in Hebrews that we're illegitimate children because he's actually fathering us he's shaping us and so often God is working together for good all of these things that we're kind of saying Lord you know I rebuke that in Jesus' name, but God's actually wanting to do a work through that. And so I just, in the time that we have left, um, I want to just share with us three keys to prepare our hearts for revival. If you feel like you're in a place where there's a desert, if you feel like you've had some rain but you need some more, or maybe... You don't know Jesus yet. You don't know what it means to have spiritual life. You can have a revival of sorts. It's called being born again. Your spirit can come alive to God. He revives the full person, body, soul and spirit so that you can know him. You can have a relationship with him. And he does this through the work and the person of Jesus Christ so the first key to prepare ourselves for revival is to humble ourselves you might have the trappings of life and that's okay that's good to be blessed but sometimes if we've relied on those and at the expense of trusting God there needs to be a point where we humble ourselves and acknowledge that God is the giver of every good thing. It says in Isaiah uh, 57, 14 to 15. It says this, rebuild the road, clear away the rocks and stones so my people can return from captivity. We need to remove the barriers, the things that obstruct us, Sometimes it's functional, it's, a, it's a, a function of time. We're too busy, or we've got too much going on. That could be a barrier. It could be the rocks and the stones here. So my people can return from captivity. Sometimes we've got so much going on in life that we're captured according to the agenda and the purpose of the things going on, the things that we're committed to the things that we just have to do. But sometimes we've got to sit back and reprioritize. Part of humbling ourselves is not just an attitude, but it's the attitude with the behaviour that frees us up to follow the Lord. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. And so here we see revive, God wants to revive your courage. The Lord wants to revive those with humble hearts, with repentant hearts, people that are willing to acknowledge that they don't have it all together. And that's me, I don't have it all together. There are times in my life where I definitely don't have it all together and I need God to come and revive my heart. And I know it'll be the same for you. And so the first step of receiving revival is saying, Lord, come and create in me a clean heart, create in me a new order, a a reorganisation of my priorities. I humble myself before you today and I acknowledge that I need you. That's step one. Step two, we need to remember our first love. And I don't know about you, but when I came to faith, there was an exuberance. And I know everyone's experience is different. Some people might be quiet and contemplative. I spoke to one gentleman who was with us a couple of years ago and moved to Tasmania. And he was part of the the Brethren, it wasn't the exclusive Brethren, I don't think, but the, there was another church, the Brethren, really great group of Christians into the Word of God. They support a whole lot of stuff in Christian ministry, but he was saying he was in this like chapel and uh, he saw the bread and the wine that were out on, a, on an altar and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just spoke to him and it made sense. It just dropped in, the sacrifice that Jesus had made For him personally whereas i'm walking down the street at 2am you know at dy in sydney as a 18 19 year old praising god and then all of a sudden i got filled with the holy spirit so two very different experiences not one is not better than the other both are profoundly moving however um, you encounter god i'd encourage you to go back and remember what was that moment where God dropped something into your spirit where it made sense. The light bulb came on. God wants to stir our hearts. He wants to stir our hearts so that we can remember our first love. To the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, 3 to 5, the Holy Spirit says, I know that you who believe, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, are enduring patiently, and bearing up for my name's sake. And it can be a bit like that in seasons of drought, can't it? Or Where things are dry, you you kind of lay a hold of your principles, you lay a hold of the word of God and you, you patiently plod. For my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. But I have this charge against you, that you've left your first love You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent, change your inner self, your old ways of thinking, your sinful behaviour. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I'll visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact from its place unless you repent. And so here we see they've received a bit of a harsh word. I don't believe that's us here today. We're not in a place where we've lingered so long in the wastelands that our hearts have become hard. But there's a principle here for us today about returning to our first love. What is it about revival that sometimes, you know, I I even know of couples that have renewed their vows midlife because they want to revive something of their commitment and their love to one another. It's kind of like that with God. He'll bring us into a place where we remember Him and we begin to desire Him and creating spaces. I love to draw and so I'll sit out in my, in our rumpus room and I'll have music or I'll just play the scriptures and they'll wash over me and I'll just be find myself drawing and praying and in this season that has been an incredible blessing to me to revive my heart. What is it for you? Is it walking on the beach with your dog? Is it creating a piece of craft or art? Is it singing a song that brings you into a place of the presence of God? Is it making a quilt Is it building a fence or creating a structure that there's a creative process in that that I believe echoes worship, an acknowledgement that this is good, I'm enjoying you, God, and I want to acknowledge you in everything. Find yourself in a place where you can allow God's word, his presence to wash over you and renew your first love because God is a jealous God. He hasn't called you and he hasn't put his spirit in you just to abandon you. He doesn't adopt you into his family and then reject you. He will chase after you because he is passionate about you. He loves you. Let's respond today by saying, yes, Lord, revive my first love. Create in me a clean heart. The last thing so that's step two so step one was humble ourselves step two was remember our first love the last step and this is not exclusive there are many things we could respond to god with but the last one is let go of the allure of the world like the monkey who's got his hand caught on the thing that he really wants Sometimes we just need to release what we think is bringing us life and take up the invitation. And often in that place, we realise God gives us everything we need, it says in Timothy, for our enjoyment. He doesn't want to keep life from us, but he wants our heart. He wants to be number one in our hearts, not just an add-on. In 1 John... 2.15-17 uh, to, 7, to 17 in the NLT, it says this Do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you We just need to understand this what John's speaking about here is not creation but the spirit the culture of this world the things that it wants you to consume I don't know if you look at Advertising. I actually don't watch a lot of TV anymore, probably haven't now for a number of years, but if it does come on occasionally, just the barrage of things that they want to sell you. You need this, you need that. You're not actually a complete person unless you've got the latest Lexus or maybe this gold watch or this holiday. You know, there's things that, and what it does, it builds up this pressure in our world to accumulate things things that appeal to pride things that appeal to um, our eye things that you know we get a lust for more of the of the things that actually don't satisfy and we end up again with our fist stuck in the jar and so it says here in 1 John do not love this world nor the things it offers you moving on to verse 16 for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. We see that, don't we? A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, you could spend big portions of your life, decades even, just trying to achieve the things that this world says mark success. And you could completely forfeit the things that God says equal success. Now, I'm not against owning anything. I have a home, I have a car, we have two cars actually. God has blessed us. But at any moment I've had to learn that if those things were gone, I would still be significant because I'm a child of God. Because I've got faith in Christ, because I've got an eternity and God could restore or take away whatever he wants because it belongs actually to him. He controls even at an atomic level, every molecule that makes up my car. He controls the laws of gravity. He controls the air that I breathe how could i not worship him how could i not lay everything before him and so today as we consider revival as we consider let's remember to humble ourselves to remember our first love to let go of the allure of the world keep it in its place enjoy the things that god gives you but don't idolize them